What is going on, guys? This is Brendan Burns, and welcome to The Brendan Burns Show. Join me as I interview, dissect, and share the stories of high performers who have created the life that they deserve on their terms. I sit down with speakers, professional athletes, and successful entrepreneurs from all over the world who have chosen to live a life of fulfillment and joy over status and money. In each episode, I share actionable strategies that you can implement in your life, plus inspiration along the way. So come join me for this episode of The Brendan Burns Show. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to another episode of The Brendan Burns Show. Joining us today is Belinda Bloom, who is an anxiety and stress strategist and relationship coach. Her passion is to help people driven by her own journey of being clinically diagnosed with PTSD from an early childhood trauma. Belinda grew up in a dysfunctional home with no idea of what healthy relationships looked like. She felt like she was destined to be with a man that could never understand her. Through her journey, Belinda found that healing the relationship with herself created the unimaginable 14-year relationship she is in with Jeffrey today. Belinda is a certified NAP NLP practitioner with more than 20 years of experience specializing in stress, anxiety management, and relationships. Belinda traveled, trained, and learned from some of our top transformational thought leaders, including Tony Robbins, Oprah Winfrey, Joseph McClendon III, Lisa Lieberman-Wang, Alison Armstrong, Dr. Joe Dispenza, and more. Learning and providing for others the fastest, easiest, and most fun way to solve life's challenges is her never-ending quest. Belinda, welcome to the show. Thank you. Thank you so much. Thank you for having me, Brendan. My pleasure. So before we get into what you're up to today and how you evolved and went on this journey, tell us a little bit about your past, what happened, and what spurred this journey for yourself. Sure. Um, well, I, I was married when I was very young for the first time. I was 19 and I got pregnant right away and I decided I didn't want to have the same relationship with my husband or my children that I grew up in. I grew up without a father. So I, I really just wanted to learn. So at 19, I'm at my first therapy session. I have five love languages of love. I, I like that's who I am at 19 years old, which is now I find out not the norm. Um, but I really just wanted to be my personal best from a young age. And I learned a lot. I went to therapist after therapist, workshop after workshop, book after book, and I learned and I learned and I learned, but I didn't do, I just learned. So I knew everything. I'd go to the therapist, I'd be like, I know this. I would tell my friends what they can do, but I didn't actually walk the walk. So I got divorced. I had challenges with my children um, and I went on to another relationship and I grew more and more depressed. I ended up on medication. I was extremely unhappy. And by the time I was 35, I would say I felt like I was dying inside. Somebody said, oh, what do you see for the future? And I literally said, nothing. I don't see anything. I didn't even know what that meant. Like if I wasn't what I was supposed to be, which was a famous singer, that was my ultimate goal by 35, I'm done. What do I live for? So I really didn't want to live either. I felt like um, my life really didn't matter, but I had children. So I did choose to continue to live, um, but I was severely depressed. I suffered from uh, trauma from early childhood, um, things like sexual abuse. I was abused many times as a child by several different people, uh, physical abuse, 
verbal abuse. I grew up very poor. I was homeless by the time I was 16. So a lot of early childhood trauma. So I had a lot of stories. <laughs> so they kept me stuck and safe. And during my relationship, I just thought if Jeff could change, my relationship would be amazing. <laughs> and so he didn't. And I would ask him, you know, want to go to this retreat with me? You want to go to this workshop? And he, he wouldn't say these words, but I know now he would be like, you're still a bitch. Like, why would I want to be involved <laughs> in any of this? So I ended up going to a UPW and- What is UPW for- UPW, for those that do not know, is a Tony Robbins event. Um, it's Unleash the Power Within. It's a three-day event. And how I happened to go there is, I know it was the universe, but we'll say it was an accident. Um, my friend was secretly listening to him. She didn't know I was into self-help. And I said, oh, that's really cool. Didn't know who he was, which is really strange because I was always a seeker. So a couple of weeks later, I get an email through one of my companies that I could get tickets to his event. So I said, oh, I'll buy her tickets. We'll go. It'll be fun. I had wine. I had my laptop. We had Netflix we were going to watch. Like we had this, this weekend planned. So day one, I walk in. For those of you who know Tony Robbins, this will be funny. There's dancers. I'm like, what the hell am I here for? He's clapping these giant hands. I'm totally annoyed. By the end of day one, I am like, what is this? This is the most amazing thing. So day two, we are the first people at the door. And for those people that go to these events, 5 a.m. Lines going behind us. We're the most motivated people there now. So um, the end of the, I believe it's the third night, he does a process called the Dickens process. And I saw myself basically I died in that process he walks you through this closed eye process and you see like if you don't change what's your life going to be like so I was dead so what did yeah what yeah what did, do you look like <laughs> for the listeners it's a process where you envision where you're where you are in one year three years five years etc if mm -hmm. you continue on the trajectory that you're on without making changes so what did that look like when you closed your eyes and saw yourself that many years out what were you seeing melinda oh god i saw very very early on that jeffrey and my youngest son would leave my leave me alone i'd be in a, an apartment by myself no friends no family no nothing i was like my the rolls of fat were hanging over the chairs <laughs> <laughs> or chair yeah i had two chairs to sit on right so um and it was, I was just miserable, a really miserable human being. And I died. And the only person that was at my funeral was my daughter and, and my granddaughters. And my daughter was just kind of shaking her head. And that was only 10 years in and he goes 20 years. So I got to really suffer. And that's kind of the point in this process. Right. Yeah, no, that's, thank you for sharing that. And for any of the listeners out there, I encourage you to sit down and close your eyes and, and envision if you don't make a change with your career, with your business, with your relationships, what will, where will your life be? It doesn't magically happen. We don't want to overly shock listeners, but do, we do want them to think about, all right, if you don't make a change, this is what's going to happen. You're not going to, the perfect partner isn't going to just fall in your lap. If you don't become the partner that that person's looking for, if you're not intentional or being proactive about it. So that's a great point. Um, I wanted to go back to something you said earlier, 
which is you had read all the books, you had done all the therapy, you had obtained all the knowledge about mm -hmm. childhood trauma, for example, but may not have been implementing it or incorporating it into yourself. And uh, a quote that I like is, learning about these things is complicated but easy, doing something about it is simple but hard. And so when did you make that decision to go from, I'm gonna be a personal growth junkie and have all the modalities memorized and be able to argue and say, oh, I studied under this person. I've done a thousand or 10,000 hours. Not that you do that, but I just, I see that in the community versus, okay, all it is sometimes can just be meditating, breathing, getting in touch with my body, my emotions. When did you, and why did you make that transition? I made that transition that night. It is the, that two millimeter shift. Um, I just, it just clicked for me. Like everything that I ever learned over the 20 years just came rushing into me. And I realized that I was, I was just stuck in my story. And for me, I feel like um, traditional talk therapy, that's what it, it, do, it does for a lot of people. If you have trauma, especially is you're telling the story over and over again. And that's just re-traumatizing you because your brain doesn't know the difference. Like, is this really happening? Your brain thinks that it is. So mm -hmm. I found out that's what was going on. I had been re-traumatizing myself and I had a lot of trauma in my past. So I was just literally stuck in that story. And when I released that, now I tell the story, but it's if it's gonna serve somebody, just to tell somebody, listen, this is what happened to me. People give me excuses and I have so many of the similar experiences that I can say, no, no, it won't cut it with me. <laughs> I have that one. I got over that too. That's great. So let's talk about relationships for a minute, because it sounds like you were in a relationship with your current partner of 14 years, and you had initially wanted to bring more spirituality into the relationship and he didn't. And one of the biggest things, I would say the main reason why people have problems in relationships is they come to me and they say, Brendan, there's a big problem. Okay, what is it? My partner is doing this thing all the time and it's a problem. Or the other thing is they're not doing something that I want them to be doing. How do I get them to do it? And so it sounds like for you, it was that, the latter. And so how did you get him to do it? And it sounds like it was by having the no expectations of him and you leading and you doing it. Could you talk about that? Because I think a lot of people rather than take ownership and just lead and do it and gently say, Hey, I'm doing this, maybe join me versus you never do personal growth. You're not doing enough when we need to reclaim that. What was that like for you and your relationship? So for, for a decade, I, I did that. Like, why don't you work on yourself? Cause it was his fault. Like I was clearly working on myself and he wasn't. And so that's why our relationship sucked. I, so I'm just going to stop you to make sure that you're joking. Right. Totally joking. Okay. Cause just cause some people might only hear audio. So um, that was sarcasm just for the listeners. Total okay. sarcasm, total sarcasm. And I'll get, I'll get to that. What I yeah. really mean. So yeah. when I came back from that event, I again said, you know, Oh, I'm, I'm a new person and this is going to, this is it. And he was like, yeah, 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 yeah. But I went from a person who didn't want to wake up in the morning and to a person that was waking up at five o'clock in the morning and it didn't last for a week. It didn't last for two weeks. It lasted for, for up until now and still never going back. And so after a couple of months, it took him about, I would say a month and a half for him to say, what's going on? 
And then he just started asking questions because he really saw that there was, I wasn't looking to him for happiness. I wasn't looking for him to change. I traded my expectations for appreciation. And I just looked at him like, what do I love about this person? And how can I show my love for him even more? Those were my questions. And so whatever we ask our brain, they, the brain's going to answer. And that's how I lived. And I just, I, all of a sudden I fell in love with myself and I, I'm sure that, that there's going to be people that are like, oh my God, cause that was me. Love yourself first, look in the mirror and love yourself. And I used to get really annoyed by those statements, but it, it is absolutely true. When I stopped looking outside of myself, I must've radiated it. And he said, I gotta go do whatever you're doing. And he is a person like was the alpha male, can't be involved in spirituality. Nothing's wrong with me. I don't need self-help. And then all of a sudden he was getting up with me. He's talking about spirituality. We, thank you to Brendan, were, we started using Eckhart Tolle in the morning to do meditations together. And like, I have, I just have the chills right now. Like our, our relationship just became magical and I always wanted to have a relationship that other people were inspired by. And that happened. Like my clients who I was just, I was helping them with anxiety and stress. They were coming to me and saying, can you help me with my relationship? Friends were coming to me saying, what's going on? Can you help me with my relationship? So that was, that was the best thing. Like as much as I got everything for me, I also got that relationship that I really always wanted. Mm. It's amazing. And one of the things that you said was you changed one of the key questions that you ask yourself from what, why am I with Jeff or what is he doing wrong today? Or what's he not contributing to this relationship to what do I love about this person? That yes. reframe is critical because if you want something from your partner, the best way to do is to love them as they are and not go in saying, Hey, I need this or I want this constantly, because that kind of implies that you don't unconditionally love this person. And there are these things that you very are very focused on that you don't like about them. So really, I'm curious about your own journey of self-love and then also how you were able to look at him. Let's start with the latter question, which I think is critical for anyone listening who's in a relationship. How do you wake up every day when you're with a person who does things that do trigger you and frustrate you. And despite that, wake up every day and say, I'm going to love this person more. And what did you love more about him? How did you go on that journey? And what did that look like? I loved everything more about him. Um, he, he didn't change at all. And I loved everything about him. And it was, uh, it was just, it was really unreal. Um, you said the question, the real question that I think I asked all the time is why doesn't he love me? And then really below all of that was um, why am I not good enough? So now knowing what I know, it's the women, especially we need to feel safe and loved. I didn't feel either one of those things. Um, and just the feeling of not being good enough, didn't feel like I was good enough. So once I felt like I was good enough, I was deserving of his love that was always there. Like he has an amazing love for me. I didn't even see it. 
And he woke up happy every morning when I used to be depressed. I was like, what the fuck are you so happy? I don't know if I can swear, but what are you so happy about? It was really annoying. Now it's amazing. Wow. So you woke up with uh, a felt sense of being with a partner and it felt like he didn't love you or he didn't love you enough. But the reality was you didn't love yourself enough Mm -hmm. and you weren't able to see his love for you. Correct. It's powerful. Yeah. So now, specifically, how did you build that love for yourself? I know you've done mirror work. I know you've done some journaling, but in a really tangible way where our listeners could go off and specifically do these things, how do you take the concept of learning how to love yourself and break it down into things that they could put on their calendar or on their to-do list and go execute on? Okay. So the most powerful thing that I ever did was to go and stare inside at myself in the mirror. And I think you and I talked about this once and you gave me the initial do this activity. And then I also read a book, um, love yourself, like your life depends on it. Mm -hmm. And it's not that big of a book to read, but basically what he says is just look in the mirror and look in your eyes, like look in your soul. Don't look at your, your flaws. Don't look at your body. Look inside of your soul and say, I love you. And just keep saying that. And when I really got to that point where I could do that, I just saw something that I never saw before. I felt something that I never felt before. And I did that for a long time. He's, he challenges, challenges you in the book to do it for, I believe, 30 days. Mm-hmm. And I did it more. I, I got to the point where I loved doing it. Like I would smile at myself and I would be shocked that I could even do that because I couldn't look other people in the eye. And I certainly couldn't look myself in the eye because I didn't have love for myself like I do now. And that's, that's definitely the most powerful tool. What did you start to learn about yourself that you didn't even know about yourself as you built this love for yourself? What did I learn about myself? I learned that I really had all the answers all along. And I learned that um, I needed to get out of my head. Uh, one of one of the, my mentors says, when you're in your head, you're dead. When you're in your heart, you're smart. <laughs> <laughs> and it's so true. I just, I was living in my head so much and your head's a dangerous place. Your brain's just there to ask questions, mm-hmm. not to make you happy. Mm-hmm. And when I went into my heart and I do that a lot, when I'm talking, that's a key thing for a relationship, just like holding your hands on your heart. When you're talking to the other person, for me, I need to put my head down. So I really get out of my head, but that was what I really learned that I just had all of the answers. I just needed to shut up <laughs> and listen. Yeah, that's, that's powerful. So, um, mirror work to sort of summarize is, has been a very, you said the most powerful tool for you in terms of self-love specifically looking beyond the hair, the body, like getting into eye contact and the soul. Mm-hmm. Um, when you think about that journey you went on to reclaim your self-love, what else did you do? So the other thing I did was actually looking fully in a mirror and for women, take a deep breath, women, (laughs) take off your clothes, stand naked in front of the mirror and say, I am. And you can make it really simple. You can just go through the alphabet 
you know, I am amazing. I am bold. I am courageous. I am daring. I am powered. Uh, and just go right through the list and look at yourself and, and look at your eyes if that's what you need to look at. Focusing on the positive, not the negative. Women have a hard time. Many women have a hard time being naked. Many, many women have a hard time looking in the mirror naked. So putting these two things together and then saying empowering things, it, it just brings you to a new level. And saying things that you believe is really important because if you sit there and say, you know, I have the most perfect body, I'm the most amazing, richest person that I know, and I have the patience of a saint, and you don't believe these things about you, then when you look in the mirror and you're saying them, you're not going to buy it. Your brain's going to say, no, that's not true. You can sneak those things in, but say a lot of things about yourself that you actually do believe. And adding a because, so I started off with that, but I'm going to give you the super, the supercharged I am's is adding a because. So saying I am amazing because I have overcome the obstacles in my life effortlessly, just a stumbling of my words, um, saying something like that, like giving a because makes your mind say, oh, that's totally true. And I buy it and it empowers you even more. Yeah. Again, it sounds like this, this mirror work and these strategies were really critical for you to see yourself objectively Yeah. because we, without a mirror, we're just seeing other people and then our inner voice can beat ourselves up all day and we can take that to bed with us. And it's kind of like putting yourself on a canvas where you can actually see it and then key into that relationship. It's there or not there. Correct. Yeah, absolutely. Um, uh, we'll, we'll come back to self-love strategies in a minute if there's anything else, but I, I want to kind of make a comment and then see if you have anything to add on this, which is we now live in a world where it's very easy to get a date with a stranger, um, thanks to technology and, and apps that exist. And so, um, in your experience, which I think is a very common one, there's a partner who's not satisfied with the other partner. And like you said, it's mostly correlated to their, that partner's first partner's relationship with themselves. Um, not to say that, you know, there are abusers, there are alcoholics, there are people where, yes, it, it can be their fault. I mean, you're responsible for co-creating and staying in that, but in most non-extreme situations, it's your responsibility to, to figure out what's going on inside of you and what's triggering that pain inside of you. And what I notice is there are many people, especially in the millennial and even younger generations where the minute the relationship becomes challenging or they become sort of faced with their own lack of self-love as you were, they end it. And then they say, okay, um, let me go find someone better for me. Um, or there's a term that I really hate, which is I have to find my person. Right. And great. Yeah. Jeff is your person. There's a person, but it's like, it just, I constantly see that as an excuse. Oh, why didn't it work out? They weren't my person. That is almost never the case of the, never the reality. It's you weren't looking inside yourself. You weren't doing that self-love building up who you need to be. And so from your generation of dating pre online, I'm, I'm curious because I've heard you say before in my, one of my live events that, oh, I never should have stayed with Jeff. But do you <laughs> yeah. in any way have a different 
like, do you think differently now that you understand the power of personal development and how that has built something magical for you? And is there anything you want to say to the, maybe the younger listeners who are unhappy and like very much blaming their partners and looking to just go out and find someone better or their person? Oh boy. So yes, the, I, if I was the person I am today, when I first met Jeff, this person would never accept the things he said that I needed to be now. Like I just would have said, no, if I'm not okay the way I am, then you can go find somebody else better. Mm -hmm. Having said that, I wouldn't take it all back. I wouldn't, I'm glad that I didn't give up because I did become the person that I needed to be. And I do believe that you are, you are brought to people in your life on purpose to mirror things like you, I believe you were suggesting anyway, about things about yourself. What do you need to work on? And they're going to show it to you. Anytime you have your fingers pointing at somebody else, you have three pointing back at yourself. So if you're saying, why aren't you like this? Well, what are you doing? Um, and also, you know, these, the people, when they're looking for a relationship, they have these ideals. I know that I did. I wanted somebody that was going to adore me and they were going to have all these words of affirmation because that's my love language. And they were going, we were going to travel and we were going to do all of these things. And he was going to be all of these, have all these wonderful qualities. But if that person showed up, they would not have wanted to be with me because I didn't show up for a person that would want to be with that person. So you have to be the person that is going to attract that person yes. because otherwise you're going to, you're going to attract what you put out. Your energy is pulling in exactly what you're putting out. So mm-hmm. you would never attract that person. So perhaps my new energy that I was putting out, Jeff had choices his energy could turn and match my energy or he would have to leave. And I kind of knew that coming out of that UPW. I said, I don't know what's going to happen, but I wasn't forcing it. So I don't know if I answered your question. <laughs> yeah, no, it did. I mean, it's, it's basically um, just thinking about how really what I was getting at was how you guys staying together and staying resilient was important. And obviously, like you said, if you, the way you showed up today would never attract who your partner Jeff was 14 years ago, but who he has evolved to become today is in sync with what you demand. And that's really powerful. I think the listeners just take that in, which is you might be with someone that does not make you happy, even though a lot of that's your own job, but as you evolve, your partner will evolve into being the person that you want as you evolve first, or they may not, and they'll actually probably leave you, which will be painful for a temporary period of time. But ultimately you will then attract in and there will be now space for that right person for you in the sense of the things that you're looking for uh, from a compatibility or life vision shared standpoint. Um, but I think the the reality that I was getting at earlier is that a lot of people blame their partner for holding up a mirror which is like you alluded to what everyone does and then going out and then just creating the same situation with someone new. Yes. So it's true. People are so quick to dart out of a relationship. They get in the, 
no, no, you're not perfect. I got to go. I got to go because I have to, I have time. I don't have any time to waste here. I'm on a time limit. I got to go find the next new person. Mm -hmm. And they could miss out on something really spectacular Yeah. because, and relationships take work. So you need to work on yourself and working on the relationship. It's yeah. all important. So what, just showing up for yourself I now know I, I started showing for myself and my relationship blossomed and everything was wonderful. Then I started showing up for myself a little too much and I wasn't showing up so much for the relationship right. or I was showing up for my work too much and I wasn't showing up for the relationship or I was showing up for my friends. Not So it's a balance that you have to say, well, what am I doing to make sure that I'm keeping this intact? I'm keeping my relationship at the, the level that I want it to be that's like the life's wheel. Because mm -hmm. um, I've, I've gone back and forth with that, but I, I catch it. I'm quick to catch it. And we talk to each other about it. Where are we right now? Every couple of months, we will sit down and we'll say, well, what is it? What's going on for us right now? Where are we? Where do we want to be? So it's yeah. working and working on yourself, working on the relationship and working on your entire life. You can't focus just on one area. You'll never be happy one thing can't fill you up. Yep. Well said. There's a lot there. I actually know relationship coaches and mentors and in their partnerships, sometimes they'll sit down as regularly as once a week, even if it's just for an hour and have like a weekly relationship state of the union. What worked, what didn't work? Um, how could I be a better partner for you? How if each partner is asking the other person that that's a good place to be. Mm -hmm. And so um, th that was just an aside. Let, let me present to you a hypothetical situation. I'm curious how you would handle this. Mm -hmm. So um, someone comes to you, they find your content online, they hire you for relationship coaching and they say, uh, I'm single, I'm looking for a relationship. Where, where do you take them first? So the first thing that I would do is I would take them right through one of my programs. It's a relationship program. So people assume Oh, if you go into a relationship program, then that means you need to be in a relationship, but it's not, it's, it is the relationship with self. So I would need to ask what, what's their questions that they're asking? What's their core question? Your core question is going to be huge. I would ask them to find out like, what, what is your, your wheel looking like? What is your love language? How are you showing up? What, what are things about your life that you enjoy and what are you not enjoying so much really it's a lot of questions there's mm -hmm. i don't really offer the advice because like i said about myself all the answers are inside that person mm -hmm. i just know the right questions to ask so that's really where i focus is let me ask you the questions and it's interesting where we end up going with those those questions <laughs> Absolutely. I, I, I'm really glad you said that because what I, we can get out here and extract is I think a lot of people operate under the assumption that they just haven't found the right person for them. And they're like, where is that person? How do I find them? Brendan, I, you're my relationship coach. Tell me what app to go on and what to write to that person. Cause that's where I'm going to find my, the partner that I'm going to marry, or we're going to have five kids. And we're going to have four houses, one in New York city, one in Los Angeles, what in Australia? I'm like, slow down. Tell me about your parents. <laughs> Tell me about your last relationship. 
Yep, exactly. Oh, well, my ex, he, he was an alcoholic. He drank way too much. He didn't talk about his feelings. Fascinating. Let's open up your fridge and see what kind of alcohol <laughs> you're treating. What, tell me uh, what type of feelings are you openly expressing, right? And so it's going down that journey. Uh, and you mentioned uh, the core or the, the primary question, which is the question that every day, whether consciously or not, we ask ourselves sometimes on repeat in our brain, and mm -hmm. that impacts everything we do and think about it. And so what I is- I have a really, I have a cool exercise for that. If people are curious to find out well, their- Yeah, own. let's, yeah, well, let's do that in one second. I just want to oh. ask you, and maybe this, your exercise answers the question. If so, okay. go, go right into that. But my first question is, so- what is a typical, I know everyone has different questions, but what are some common sort of like primary questions that people show up with when they're having problems, being single, looking for a relationship? And then what is a sort of really solid core question that someone would be embodying as they gravitate towards and create that, or even to shift to then ultimately be able to call in that type of relationship? Okay, so the core questions that people are typically, especially women, is um, I'm not good. Am I good enough? Um, why am I not good enough? Why doesn't anyone love me? Um, those are those are really typical questions because the people, that's what they want. They want to know, are they good enough? And do you love me? That's what everybody wants to know. Um, so, you know, there's other core questions. Why does everything happen to me? One of the exercises that I, I have someone do is to just sit down and sit, say a hundred things. They can write it, but I, I usually tell them to just kind of speak to text so they can blurt it out without thinking, without hesitation, just a hundred questions in a, in a row. And it could be, oh, do I need to repaint this room to, oh, what's, oh, am I doing this right? All these, these different questions. Because your mind, especially when you're a woman, is constantly busy asking questions, asking questions. So when you get into this, you're going to get repeat questions. And you're going to get the, oh, especially am I doing this right? <laughs> when you're asking, am I doing this right five times out of 100 questions or 10 times out of 100 questions, what does that mean? And so if, you, if your brain is constantly asking the question, am I doing this right? So it's gotta go back to the history of since the beginning of time for you and bring all the answers of every time that you weren't doing it right, or you thought you weren't doing it right, or someone told you you weren't doing it right. And now you have all that emotion around that and that's how you're walking around all day. So yeah. when you have that question, what then you want to take basically the opposite of whatever question is. So my, my core question was, why doesn't anyone love me? However that looked, why doesn't he love me? Why doesn't she love me? Why don't I love myself? It all was about loving. So now my core question is how can I love myself and others even more? So there's the presupposition that I already love myself. I already love other people. And how do I love myself? or others even more because you don't want to put the and <laughs> yep. I don't know if I said it and in the beginning but those that's the better question or what's great about this is another question mm -hmm. just something that's going to give you a better answer yeah well said now we have a lot of people who listen to this podcast who are very high performers and strong achievers and we have a lot of people who are already keyed in 
to their mission and their purpose. And they're having a lot of success doing so. However, some of these people are stress achievers who are very motivated and can have a hard time feeling satisfied or content because they know there's more out there. And so um, for those types of individuals who, you know, when we talk about a, a core question, it could be like, why, why am I not enough versus why am I enough? And so if someone came to you and you could tell they were being too hard on themselves or put too much pressure on themselves or didn't see them as good enough from a, a work or success or an achievement perspective, how do you help them to overcome that and to see themselves as good enough and worthy? It really is as simple and as difficult as coming up with a better question. I literally had that post-it all over my house. Like I'd go in the bathroom. How can I love myself even more? I would have it on my phone. I would pick up my phone and it would say it on the phone anywhere I could see in my house because I, I had so much of that going on. Like why, why don't I love myself? Why doesn't he love me? So I needed to rewire my brain because I just kept asking that horrible disempowering question. So that is really one of the, the key things. And the second thing is honestly gratitude. Like gratitude, you cannot be stressed or anxious or angry or anything else except really grateful. But there is a difference on how people might show up using gratitude than what I have developed over time. When I was first doing a gratitude journal, I would write things like, I'm grateful for my dog. He's so cute. Or I'm grateful for Jeffrey. And I recognize that you need to feel emotion. You actually need to feel the gratitude. So why are you grateful? So if you said, you know, I'm grateful for my dog because when I wake up in the morning, he comes over to me and he puts his head on my chest and he looks at me and I can always count on him being there. And he's just so cute. For dog lovers, you're going to, you're going to feel that you're going to own that you're going to say, oh, I have a dog. I love my dog. You need to feel it. You have to have a strong why in anything in life and having gratitude and having the why is really important. And even being grateful for things that aren't the way that they, that you want them to be. I had a situation where I wasn't able to see my grandchildren because their dad was having a struggle with uh, some, some issues that that's a whole other discussion. <laughs> we'll just say that. And I wasn't able to see my grandchildren. I saw them every weekend. So it was heartbreaking for me. So I decided to go to my gratitude journal and I wrote, I'm really grateful. And I said his name because I know that he takes care of my grandchildren and he provides for them and they're safe and they're fed and they're warm at night. And I wrote things like that about him. And every time he would call the next day and say, I could see my grandchildren. I'd be like, oh my God. <laughs> so whatever you are grateful for, you will get more of, or you will get, and it works. It's amazing. And you can't feel stress or anxiety. What are you most grateful for in your life today? Myself. Absolutely. I am grateful for my determination and my, um, my awareness of how important it is to love yourself and the connection I have to, to spirit, the universe, God, whatever anybody wants to call it. I, I have a personal relationship. So that's what I'm most proud of. What else are you grateful for? 
I am grateful for my relationship with Jeffrey because I know that I always have my best friend with me at any time. Okay. Power of gratitude. Um, Let's go back to uh, the, the mock client who comes to you and says, I'm, I'm looking for a relationship. So you obviously take them on this whirlwind journey of helping them love themselves and feel that self-love and love towards others and gratitude and obviously doing what needs to happen inside of themselves. Mm-hmm. And then at what point do you feel comfortable taking them into the dating world? Um, and how do you do that? Do you encourage, and obviously it might depend on men versus women, masculine versus feminine energy, but just in general, for someone listening, uh, let's say you have done substantial inner work and you do feel confident that they can go out there and it would be productive for them to meet new people and potentially test the waters with dating. In a social media, social dilemma, swipe culture world, how do you recommend they approach that? How do I recommend approaching the dating world? Because I misunderstood. I think I misunderstood the question. Yeah, the question is, once someone has done what you would believe to be that inner work and trauma healing to a point where they're ready to be proactive and meet someone, mm-hmm. how would you recommend they go about that? Say for a, a listener right now who's single and um, has done I- inner work and feels like they're in the best place they've ever been in their life. Okay, now I'm ready to, to launch out there. Where do they go? Okay. So during the process of working with me, they would have also created a vision of what their relationship looked like. I take Mm -hmm. them through a process of that. Mm -hmm. So they have it really clearly written out. And now they're showing up as the person that deserves that relationship in every way. Um, And then also having an actual vision board um, and, and being grateful for already having the relationship and knowing why do they want it. So how they're getting it doesn't necessarily matter. They need to, they really need to know you're doing the work. You have said exactly what you want this relationship to be. You believe that you can have it, that you deserve it. You, you speak about it daily and don't worry about it. Just let it go. So it it depends on where people's beliefs are. Most of the people that I I work with have a belief in the universe, a higher power, whatever it is guiding them. So just letting go of what do I have to do? What do I have to do? What do I have to do? And just let things happen. And yes, we are in the pandemic, but things happen when you let go. When you push, you're, you're getting the resistance when you just sit there and let things happen, it, that's where the magic is. That's where the person shows up. That is one of the most powerful things you've said in this interview is, and I don't want to negate the critical importance of self-love practices, but I think there's something really to be said, not about letting go of everything, but of taking action on what really matters, which is all of these practices and vision boards and embodiment exercises and letting go on the the procedural minutia of what app should I be on? What do I say in a text? All that 
I agree. Put that out the window and, and spend your focus and your energy on what really matters, which is what's inside of yourself and what you want to create. And then letting go of the, the excuses and, and sort of the, the stuff that doesn't matter as much. And the truth is that anyone that starts on this journey, they, they won't even, they won't care as much. And I know people say, no, I, I want a relationship. I want a relationship. But once they're really in it and they really have let go and they said, you know what, I'm totally just going to focus on me and being what I want to be and what I need to be when they let that really sink in and start doing that. And they, they let go. It's just a natural evolution of things. And like I said, then the magic happens. Yep. Absolutely. Um, let me ask you a question and, mm -hmm. um, I want you to answer from the deepest, most true place of you, which is if someone came to you and said, um, I don't know if I'm with the right person. I'm not sure if I should end it or not. What should I do? How do you approach a situation like that? Same exact way. If they're not in physical danger, then it's the same way. It's the same procedure. We start in the same place. We just, we do the work and they know really early on what's, what they get a sense of what's happening because it's usually in about, it takes till the sixth week for if they're in a relationship for their partner to really notice that there's something because now they've been working on something for over a month. It's not like their old routine where, oh, I'm doing this, I'm reading this. And then a couple of weeks later they fall off, so to speak. But you know, it's 21 days to create a habit. So the other person starts taking notice. In reality, what I see happening in a lot of relationships, especially when there's struggles in the beginning, the partner feels threatened because the partner says, oh, we're working again. Are we working to leave the relationship? So that's what I hear from a lot of clients. That's what their, their partner's worried. And then it's about week six that their partner starts to say, oh, what's going on? What are you doing? They notice something's different. Mm -hmm. And I think it's just a natural progression. By, by the, the, the sixth week, if there's nothing going on, that's when I think they start to think, well, what do I want to do about this? And where do I want to go with this? And they are already creating the relationship they, they, of their dreams in this process. And so they're going to see is this person, that person that I've created in this little bubble. <laughs> right. So it sounds like you take the person back inside themselves onto their own journey again, versus yes. that's kind of what I was getting at is versus the putting so much of the emphasis and blame on the partner. Again, like you said, as long as they're not in any type of abusive or physical danger, right. but rather than say, oh, is this person right for me? Are they not right for me? They do this well, they do this poorly, right? It's such a versus let me reclaim who I really am. Let me love myself. Let me change my primary question. Let me love them and then see what evolves out of that. Absolutely. And then a lot, another thing that they, they see a difference is if, if a woman is naturally feminine to the core of her being and she's been showing up masculine mm -hmm. in the relationship, most likely the male is having to show up, not, want, not wanting to, but showing up feminine and the polarities, they have, a, they have an issue. Um, that's another thing that changes because I work a lot on that making sure they're showing up at, at the way that they want to show up, the way that they are at their core. Because there are many women 
that are successful in the business world and they have to be in their masculine. And mm -hmm. something cool I wanna share with you for the women that are listening and the men that are listening. If you're in a disagreement with a man and you're standing up straight, bend one knee, just bend your knee and, and make a curve and you'll notice that you feel different and he'll notice that you feel different. I did this with a man face to face. I was just explaining to him. I was like, if I stand up straight and I'm standing upright and looking at you, he's like, no, I don't like that. I don't like that. And then I, I just went back and I bent my knee and he could feel the energy. He could feel the feminine energy coming out and it allowed his masculinity. So that's a little tool that people can use to get out of the the masculine, because we need to be in the masculine where we're in the business world sometimes. Absolutely. I, I've done full podcast episodes on that for listeners. If you want more of that, go to uh, when I had Robert Clover on the show, no more Mr. Nice Guy, episode 50 something, I believe. Um, but yeah, I mean, we live in a, in a world where it's sort of required for the most part, just practically speaking, that women are self-sufficient financially, which was never the case in the history of humanity until maybe um, like 50 years ago. Um, so now we have these women who, uh, as it's crudely put by Dr. Glover, bring their balls to work, but you have to leave them at the office. Mm -hmm. And uh, it's, it's interesting to study sort of the masculine feminine dynamics. So thank you for sharing that, that one point. Um, that's really helpful and interesting. Um, I'm going to ask you three rapid fire questions as we wrap up here. So, uh, what I want you to do is, uh, don't think about it. Just, uh, whatever first comes to mind. Okay. All right. What is your favorite book that has most inspired you? My favorite book, the morning miracle is the first thing that comes to mind because it just really helped me get everything done in the morning. I was, I was trying to get everything done throughout the day. The morning miracle helps you just lay it out. You do everything in the morning. Everything else is icing on the cake. I get my meditations, your exercise, your journaling, gratitude, everything. And, and it's another really short book, but first one to come to mind. <laughs> morning miracle. Beautiful. All right. Next one. Favorite quote that has most inspired you? Mm, when someone shows you who, who they are, believe them. It's a good one. And the last one, and it, and this is something that I would just went on someone's podcast and they asked me this. I thought it was such an interesting question is if you could take out a billboard in the heart of Times Square, New York City, you don't have to pay for it. And it could be up there for a month or a year. And you could put anything you wanted on that billboard that you knew millions of people would see. What would you put? First, love yourself. First, love yourself. Mm -hmm. Well said. Belinda Bloom, thank you so much for coming on the show. Where can people find you, learn more about these exercises, your coaching, your programs, and social media? So uh, Facebook, Instagram, LinkedIn, Belinda Bloom. Um, they can, if they want to schedule a call, call with Belinda.com. If they want to work with me or just find out more information and I'm having a workshop on December 5th, it's a half day workshop. And that is the empoweringworkshop.com. And 
if they want relationship advice, anxiety, stress, whatever you're dealing with, we will work it out. Wendy, you've gone on quite a professional and personal journey, and it's inspiring to be able to have you on the show and, and share these strategies with our audience. I think it is relevant now more than ever with the relationship dysfunctions we're seeing out there romantically in the world and as our economy and career and the globe is evolving. So um, this is obviously a topic I'm very passionate about, and you've put in a lot of hard work behind the scenes to make this happen. Uh, you mentioned Tony Robbins several times on this episode. Obviously, he's had a big impact on your life. And just to uh, share uh, a Tony quote that I, I really like, it's, uh, people are rewarded in public for what they've practiced for years in private. And to my knowledge, at least, you have spent many years putting in a lot of hard work on this, standing in front of the mirror, saying all these things. And I want the listeners to recognize that great things take work. And Belinda is living proof of that. And so thank you again for coming on and sharing your story. My pleasure, Brendan. Thank you so much. You have been a huge help in my life all the way from the beginning. So thank you. My pleasure. Thank you for tuning in to another episode of The Brendan Burns Show. If it's your first time here, please make sure to subscribe on the Apple Podcasts app or in Spotify. Also, please leave us a rating or written review. This helps others learn about the show and spread the word to new and more people. Lastly, if you're looking to take your personal life, business, or career to the next level, and you want access to me, as well as my community of like-minded people, head over to courses.brendanhburns.com and join us in Mastery Academy, my membership site that comes with online course content, as well as live coaching calls every two weeks, hosted by me personally. Thanks again for listening, and have a great day.